What's up, City Light? How's there, you guys out there? Good morning. Thank you. Somebody's out there. As uh, Jared mentioned earlier, this is Family Sunday, so there may be a little bit more chatter in the room. That's all good. Um, if things get a little bit crazy for you guys, uh, moms and dads, there's a room in the back, and there's also a room over here on the side. Feel free to uh, just, you know, take your kiddos to that place if you need to and just kind of hang out with them. And, uh, but otherwise, just feel free to, to hang out in here. It's all, it's all going to be good. Um, my name is Chuck, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at City Light. My primary job is to connect people with the church on mornings other than just Sunday morning. So what we do is um, we, as Jared talked about, we gather together on Sunday. So kind of find, think of this time as maybe a time like, a, like you would have a family reunion, right? So we all come together on Sundays for like our big family reunion. And then we scatter out through, throughout the different places in our city and, and region uh, into smaller, tighter knit, closer groups that we call city groups. All right. And then... Um, Our mission is to multiply disciples and churches. And the primary way that we pursue that mission is through city groups. So if you want to know more about city groups, if you want to uh, find out a little bit more about what they are here, there's a couple ways you can do this. Uh, We're going to have some time of um, celebration this afternoon after we get done with our our worship gathering. Uh, You can... Talk to me then. You can grab my ear then. Talk to Jason or I. You can, uh, there's in the seat back in front of you, there should be a a connect card. You can fill that connect card, drop it in the giving box, and uh, we'll get back with you this week to let you know a little bit more about what city groups are, where they're meeting close to you, and those types of things. Or you can also email me at chuck at citylightcb.org, or you can uh, email Jason at jason at citylightsouthwest, or Jason at CityLightSwia, S-W-I-A dot org. So a couple different ways for you to connect. So I've got a question for you. Is it too early to say Merry Christmas? All right, I haven't had anybody say it to me yet, and I usually don't say it to anyone until it's said to me, so uh, I guess I can start. All right, Merry Christmas. I love it. So uh, uh, one of the things that... Um, Man, this mic is killing me. Uh, is that why it's killing me? Okay, I'll see if I can make, see if I can make it work. Um, this time of year, we have a lot of traditions in the Kaiser family. Uh, one of the traditions that we have is after Thanksgiving, the, usually the Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving, we all get together and we uh, go to a local Christmas tree farm in Council Bluffs and we pick out that perfect tree. You know, the one that looks, it's just got the right look. It's got all the branches in the right place. It leans just the right way, and it has the right trunk. And then we cut it down, and we take it home, and we put it in our Christmas tree stand. And after it falls probably two or three times, uh, we end up finding out exactly how to keep it up. And we take some lights, and we wrap around it, and then we gather all of the Christmas ornaments that the kids have Um, made throughout the years, and we start putting those on the Christmas tree as well. And all the while, we have a pot of chili that's simmering on the stove waiting for us to eat it. So when we're done hanging the stockings and decorating the tree, we all gather around the table, 
and we talk about how Jesus has been good to our family, the ways that we have seen him work in our family throughout the year. That's one of the traditions that we have in the Kaiser family. Now, just like my family has some traditions, uh, we have some traditions here at our church of uh, what we do is we spend the weeks leading up to Christmas talking about the birth of Jesus. And so this year, we're, we're spending that time in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and I get the privilege of creating an entire sermon on 12 words that Stephanie read just a few minutes ago. Um, here's what we know. The Bible's divided into two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, the Old Testament is broken up into 39 uh, different books or chapters, whatever you want to call them, and they're written by lots of diff different authors like Moses and David and lots of other um, authors. The, uh, the New Testament has 27 books or chapters, and it's, um, the first four of those uh, books are written by four guys named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, each of these guys, they tell us about the life of Jesus, and we call these first four books the Gospels. Um, we call them the Gospels because they share the good news. They share the good news of how Jesus, uh, of how God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So with all of those books and chapters and characters in the Bibles and verses and all these types of things, it might be a, a little bit easy to get, a, to get lost in the story. I don't know about you, but I get a little lost in the story sometimes. Kind of like my experience with um, the Marvel comic movies. Are you guys with me on this? Um, I mean, I was with it pretty early on whenever they came out with the Iron Man series. The Iron Man was good. I tracked with that. Then we had like, um, you know, Hulk and the Avengers come out. And I was tracking with all those. But now they have all of these different characters and all of these um, special powers and secret identities coming in. And honestly, I just get lost. And so now I don't want to spend, the, you know, two and a half hours watching a movie that I can't track with. And so honestly, I don't watch them anymore. But it's probably... Probably my age. I've had my, my kids tell me I'm probably a little bit too old to, uh, to be tracking with it if I'm, if I'm doing that. But what, here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that God cared enough about his story to make sure that we don't get lost in it. Uh, God wants us to have clarity on the story that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So he had each of the writers of the gospel share their unique perspective. They wrote it down almost 2,000 years ago, and God has preserved the story so that it would be clear to us why Jesus came. Matthew, he's clearly letting us know that Jesus is qualified to be the long-expected king that the Jewish people had been waiting for. Matthew is explaining, us that, explaining to us that Jesus' family tree qualifies him to be king. He's announcing, hey folks, when they announce the birth of Jesus, they're announcing the birth of a king. So we're going to look at this in two parts. Jesus is the faithful king and he invites us in. That's where we're tracking today. Jesus is the faithful king and he invites us in. So he begins this biography of Jesus with a gene genealogy that echoes the genealogies that we can find in the Old Testament. 
Now, Matthew looked at his part of the story as a continuation of the story that he had been told ever since he was a little boy. The story of how God redeems people. This genealogy, it begins and it ends with three of the biggest names that you'll ever hear in Jewish history. Abraham, David, and Jesus. Three of the biggest names that it begins and ends with, that, uh, with those three names. He begins, Matthew begins by letting us know that Jesus is the son of David. The, the story begins out, begins the uh, genealogy of Jesus, son of David, right? He wants us to know that Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is in line of the greatest king that the Jewish people had ever known, and that's David. This would have uh, resonated with the Jewish people because they were hoping for a king who would restore them to their former glory. They were, ho they were hoping for a king that would, um, that would deliver them from the oppression from the Roman government that they've been experiencing for generations. They based this hope on a promise that the Lord gave David in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. So if you want to look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, we'll begin in verse 12. It says, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. My love will never be taken away from him. David was a king that was remembered for killing giants and defeating enemies. David was a worshiper, and he's described in the Bible as a man after God. This thing is killing me, guys. Well, is it too late? Uh, no. It must be. Um, but David was a king that's remembered for killing giants and defeating enemies. He's a worshiper, and he's, a re uh, he's remembered in the Bible as being a, um, a man after God's own heart. This is a man, David's a man that people heard stories. It was David. It seemed like everyone listened to David. Everyone loved David. Everyone followed David. King David had concerts. He wrote poems. I mean, David was a great king. David was a brilliant king. But David wasn't a faithful king. He wasn't always faithful, was he? David was the same king that also um, he orchestrated the, uh, an adulterous relationship. And then after he was found out with that adulterous relationship, he organized the de death of a man and, and committed murder. So David wasn't always a faithful king. Uh, king David, as great as he was or as great as he seemed, he ended up messing up. And all the people who loved him, all the people who followed him, they were also disappointed by him. Now, have you ever been disappointed or let down by a king? Kind of weird, right? You say, Chuck, we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democracy. Well, one guy pulled me aside and said, Chuck, we don't actually live in a democracy. We live in another type of republic, I guess he said. But anyways, that's technicalities. But think about it like this. A king is anyone or anything that you serve. Anyone who has power in your life, 
Anyone you listen to or anything you listen to and build your life around. Now, if you think of a king as something like that, I think we can all say we have some type of king that we serve, right? I think it's Bob Dylan said everybody serves somebody, right? We all serve someone or something. So for me, my disappointing king usually comes in the form of jobs. Now, I've never had a problem getting a job or keeping a job, but one of the issues that I've had is, um, is I, have, I, I get bored easily. Like, it's some, if there's not a challenge that goes along with, with that job, if there's not something that keeps pushing me or keeps challenging me, I tend to get a little bit bored, and I guess that's one of the reasons that I kind of like being one of the pastors here at City Light. There's always a challenge to face, whether it's trying to be as cool as Eric Wiggum or have hair as nice as Jason Lada's, there's always some type of, uh, some type of um, challenge to face up to. And I know some of you guys are probably saying, Chuck, you're probably on the wrong side of 40 to be considering those types of challenges in your life. And I am, but nonetheless, I still pursue after them. But seriously, though, there was this time when uh, I, had a, I had a great job. I was working for AT&T and um, I was in a five-state region up in Ohio, and I was probably, um, I was at the top of my game in the job. I was in mid-level management, and uh, things were going really well. Um, I was probably one or two uh, in, in my division, um, so it was, it, was, it was great. There was no issues with money, but I just got bored. I got bored with the job because there weren't any challenges. There, was no, there weren't any places for me to go in that job. And so that, what I found out is that job disappointed me. It, it disappointed me instead of inspired me. It trapped me instead of freed me. So what did I do? I eventually found another job, another little king that I could go serve, which eventually let me down there as well. See, these jobs, they were never meant to deliver what I was looking for. I was looking to these jobs, these vocations, um, to serve me or to free me on a level that they were never meant to. We all try to serve lesser kings and eventually realize they don't serve us. They enslave us. Did you get that? We all try to serve lesser kings and we find out that they don't serve us. They don't help us. They ended up enslaving us. We serve lesser kings like comfort, materialism, gluttony, laziness. We serve things like significance and, um, and influence only to find out that they're kings all right, but they're the kind of kings who enslave us. They aren't faithful kings. They have no concern for our joy or our peace. These kings don't show us love. These kings don't give us hope. They leave us on the outside wondering if we can get more. They never match up to the promises that they make. In the end, they're kind of like King David, right? They seem great, but they aren't faithful. Now, what does, uh, what does all that have to do with, with baby Jesus and our text that we have here today? Well, in Matthew 1.1, right at the very beginning, Matthew calls Jesus the son of David. Now, here's what he's doing. 
He's telling all the readers of this genealogy, including you and me, that Jesus is the better king. Jesus is better than King David. Jesus is the faithful king. He's more than you imagined a perfect king to be. He's more than you could ever hope for a king to be. King Jesus is the faithful king. We will worship King Jesus for a million different ways that he shows us that he's worthy of our worship. Jesus is the faithful king. Now, my friend Chase, he'll tell you that Jesus is a faithful king. You see, it wasn't too long ago that he was partying with a joint in one hand and a bottle in another and had little concern of who he might hurt in the process. But as Chase served the party king, he found out that that king didn't serve him well. You see, that king left him alone on a stretcher in the middle of Macon, Georgia, wondering how in the world he got there. That king was not a faithful king. But Chase's life, it changed when he made Jesus his king. Now he's a trainer at the local Y. He's enjoying serving his family. He is a, a servant here at City Light Church. Chase has found that there's a, there's a savior to believe in. Believe in. There's a, um, a family to belong to. And there's a cause to live for. You see, Jesus is different from the party king or the comfort king. He is the faithful king. Now Matthew, he continues by telling us that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Look back at verse number one. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this would have also caught the ear of the average Jewish reader because everyone knew who Abraham was. Abraham was like the father of the Jewish nation. Everyone understood who this man was. And just like David, they heard stories about Abraham since they were toddlers. He's like the Iron Man or the Captain America of their day, only, to, only that Abraham's story was a true story, and what an incredible true story it was. Abraham was this guy that began life as an outsider, but God invited him in. Back in Acts chapter 7, there's, a, um, there's a, a guy, one of the first deacons in the church, his name is Stephen. And Stephen's preaching to this religious crowd that's in opposition to him, and he references Abraham as, he preaches the gospel, as he's preaching the gospel. He goes all the way back into Genesis and talks about who Abraham is. And he makes a comment in his sermon that Abraham was from the land of Chaldea. Now, if you know anything about the Chaldeans, they were like earth worshipers. They were people who worshipped the stars and the moon and the sun, all these different types of things. Kind of like our modern day astrologers or maybe like palm readers. This is the land that Abraham came from. This is the type of people Abraham came from. He didn't come from a long line of, of people who, uh, who were f- faithful people. He came from these people in Chaldea. So that's what he was born into. Abraham was an outsider. And in Genesis chapter 12, what we see is God invites Abraham in on the inside. All right? Look at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, he was an outsider that was chosen by God, and he promised to work through Abraham to bless all nations. So he was an outsider, and he was invited in by God to be part of his plan. The Christmas story, it begins with Matthew telling us that Jesus is the one that fulfills this promise to Abraham. But why does that matter to us? Why does it matter to us? Most of us in this room, if any, don't have much of a Jewish heritage. It's not like we can trace our line back to any type of a Jewish uh, family or whatever. So why should that matter to us? Here's why it matters. The rest of the gospel of Matthew, it tells us of the story of how Jesus lived, how he called people to follow him, how he performed miracles and how he served the poor. And it tells us how the religious crowd, how he ticked them off and how eventually they orchestrated um, his death on the cross to have him crucified. It tells us that he died on the cross and that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, but that that borrowed tomb, it couldn't hold him. And he rose from the dead and he appeared to his friends. And as he appeared to his friends, he told them that he's going to go away, but that he'll return again one day. But before he ascends into heaven, what's he tell them? Go and make disciples of what? All nations. You see, Jesus invited us in. Jesus invited us in. He's a faithful king, and he invites us in. How many of you like the feeling of being an outsider? (laughs) I hate the feeling of being an outsider, but there's this one time when I was an outsider. Um, I get the privilege of uh, being a high school football official. I think I may have told you that once or twice. And uh, basically what that means is on Friday nights in the fall, I get to hang out with four of the guys, and we go officiate football games. And small town Iowa and Council Bluffs, other places as well. But um, after we officiate these football games, one of the things that we like to do is we like to go to a local restaurant and hang out there, get some food and some beverages and just enjoy one another's time and kind of have a good night, you know. And so one night we were uh, in in a town not too far from here and none of us really knew where to go. And so I looked it up on Google, a couple different places, and I said, oh, I've heard about this place. Let's go there. So we ended up going there. We walked in the door of this place, and I'm telling you, folks, it was like a scene out of a movie to where we walked through the door, and everyone just kind of looked at us like, like I, did I have something on my face? You know, I mean, it was, it was that kind of a look. We, we were obvious outsiders, hadn't been in this place before. And, um, but we didn't let that, you know, deter as much. So we ended up uh, finding a place after a couple of minutes, and we sat down, and we waited, you know, to be helped. And we waited. And we waited some more, and we finally got to the point where we realized we're probably not going to get any help here. So we did what most of you probably would have done, and we got up and left, and we found another place. Now, folks, I'm just going to tell you, 
I was confused. Um, I was, uh, it was awkward for me. It was one of the few times in my life where I actually felt like I wasn't welcome in a place, and I didn't know what to do with that. I mean, I'm the type of guy that I'm usually welcome almost anywhere, and I just did not know what to do with that. I didn't know why. They advertised on the sign that they had some chicken wings. I wanted some chicken wings, but I didn't know what I had to do in order to get access to some. That's what it felt like for me to be an outsider. I was a guy that was on the outside, unable to be part of, you know, the inside crowd there. But what does it feel like to be invited in? Maybe this will help. Maybe this will help. Jen and I, we, uh, we have, that's my wife, we've been married for 27 years. Um, we have three adult kids. Brittany, she's 25, she lives over in Lincoln, and she's part of uh, City Light Lincoln there, she's on staff. Uh, our son, Kyle, he's 22, and uh, he's, he, he's married to Haley, uh, works for a roofing company, he's doing really well. Um, they are also part of a church called Providence, which is part of the City Light family in Omaha. And then we have Cole. Cole is 20 years old, getting ready to graduate from Iowa Western. He's a local mechanic in Council Bluffs, and he just got engaged. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, special, pretty special for us. Um, he got engaged to a, a young gal named Cheyenne. And uh, Cheyenne, she had a pretty rough time growing up. Um, her family ended up homeless. Um, she was actually on the news talking about this not too long ago. But her family ended up homeless, and she became part of the foster system. And after going in and out of different foster homes, she found herself um, in a, a family's home uh, not too far from here in Trainer, Iowa. Um, the mom and dad, Josh and Shelly, um, they loved uh, Cheyenne through some really tough times. And as Josh and Shelly talked, they thought the only thing that they could probably do that would be the right thing is to invite her to be part of the family. And so they talked with Cheyenne, and um, they invited Cheyenne into their family. Cheyenne, she accepted that invitation, and she became the daughter to Josh and Shelly. See, Josh and Shelly, they didn't just want to provide her like a warm place and some clothes on her back and some food in her belly. They wanted her to be part of the family. They wanted Cheyenne to be their daughter. And Cheyenne, who was once an outsider to that family, she lived in a totally different town in a totally different place. She was an outsider. She was invited to be an insider. She was invited to be inside the family, to be part of Josh and Shelley's family. Now that's the miracle of Christmas, folks. Christmas isn't the time of year where we... Um, like where Jesus just kind of sends us a card, a self-addressed stamp envelope with a cute picture on it and says, hey, come to my party. He doesn't send us an evite and tell us to RSVP. No, you know what Jesus does? Jesus became one of us. Christmas reminds us that King Jesus invited us in by becoming one of us. King Jesus, he left his throne. He slept in a stable. He walked among us and he hand delivered this um, invitation to welcome us into his family. Jesus became the king among us and he died for us. And then by his own power, he raised himself 
from the dead to prove that he's different than any other king that we've ever seen before and any other king that we'll ever see after. That's why we celebrate this morning. Jesus is the faithful king, and he invites us in to be a part of his family. And this morning, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to accept this invitation. So maybe you're here this morning, and you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. I got to tell you, it's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're uh, a sinner. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. And then C, commit your life to following him. That's it. It's as easy as A, B, C. Admit that you're a believer. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that what Jesus did, he did on the cross for you. And then C, commit your life to following him. Now, maybe, maybe you're like me, though. Maybe you followed Jesus for years. But you struggle with all of these other little kings that you serve in your life. The king of comfort, the king of gluttony, <laughs> the king of laziness. Maybe you're looking for significance. I'm not sure what king it is that you serve, but we all serve someone. Let me ask you, here's what it might look like for you to understand that Jesus is king. Maybe you go to a friend. Maybe you go to a city group leader. Maybe you come to one of us pastors, and you say, hey, Chuck, Jason, I'm struggling with this. This thing is my king. Would you help me know what it means to serve King Jesus? Would you help me lay this king down so I can serve King Jesus? I did that a, a number of months ago, actually, and I went to a friend. I said, I'm having an issue with this thing. Can you help me? And so through accountability, through prayer, through just getting together in good community, you know what? I go to that king less often. <laughs> I go to that king less often. Maybe that's where you are. If that's you, just come to us this morning. Go, go to a city group leader, a friend, whatever, and we'll, uh, we'll connect and we'll, we'll pray with you. Um, folks, I tell you guys this all the time. I love you. I love City Light Church. I love City Light Southwest Iowa. I love being down here with you guys. And more than anything, I want you to know that Jesus is the faithful king and he invites you in. So let's serve that king together faithfully and with passion. All right, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Father, for what you've done in our life. We're thankful that you called us to be part of your plan. We're thankful to God that you invited us into your story. We're thankful that you made the story clear to us, that you showed us who Jesus is, that um, you showed us how that he died on the cross and what he did on the cross he did for us. God, I pray, Lord, that this morning you would just help us realize that. God, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that story in a new, fresh way, and that we would turn our life over to you and all these kings that we serve in our life, Father, that we would lay them down and, and um, bow before you, confess it to you, and just ask for forgiveness and serve you as King Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, you'd be at this time. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.